Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome again back to the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Jacob DeLawrence. And hey, like always, we're right here brought to you courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? And on tap for this episode, we're going to take a look at the Lady Huskies game against Houston. And we're going to see if they were able to bounce back after that crushing, upset, heartbreaking, just saddening loss to Baylor. And spoiler alert, the Lady Huskies were able to bounce back. But before we get into that, like always, I just want to remind everybody and let you know to please like just, (laughs) hey, there we go. There's mess up number one. I just need somebody to start a counter during these episodes. Just like, he misspoke there. There's another misspeak. There he goes again. There was one just right there. And somebody please do that. And then just tweet me at underscore J Della. Or if you see me in person or if you got my number, text me, send me a tweet. Leave it in the comments and be like, hey, man, on episode four, episode eight, you misspoke 15.5 times. We don't know how you did a half one, but you did a half one. So, hey, let me know. Please, please let me know. I am welcome to all criticisms, comments, thoughts, opinions, and Bueller. And like I said, with letting me know in comments and stuff like that, that was getting me to the point that I was trying to make right there to let you know, hey, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, We have podcasts. We will travel. So go ahead, like, share, subscribe, leave a five-star review, tell your friend to tell a friend, to tell a co-worker, to tell an auntie, to tell a mammy, to tell a daddy, to tell an uncle, to tell anybody that listens, hey, man, you know, women's basketball is really great. It's not as horrible as you think it is. It's not a bunch of women that that you might feel like they should be in the kitchen or doing something else. It's really actually high-quality, high-level entertainment basketball. And there's this podcast called the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Jacob Lawrence. And that kid does a really good job with it. You should listen to it. He breaks the games down. He gives you previews. He gives you insight. He might even have a guest on every so often to let you know a little more about UConn basketball and or who they're facing. So you should definitely go ahead and share and subscribe and like it. Matter of fact, here, let me see your phone. Apple Podcast. Search bar, believe, Yukon, do hit search. Oh, there it is. Click it, subscribe. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and leave a five-star review too, a little comment. Hey, great podcast. Love the insight. Maybe be a little more energetic or hey, maybe break things down a little bit more. Let's get into the X's and O's. And I'll see that and I'm going to give you people what you want because like I said from day one, this is a listener interactive podcast. There is no podcast without you, the listener. While I may be the host, this is our show. I share it with all of you, all of you fans of the Lady Huskies. So I want your input. I want you to let me know what I need to do to make this better for all of us. Because, again, no you, no me, no podcast. We have no community. So help me help you. Simple enough, right? Exactly. So. Not after you got out the way, you told everybody about the podcast. Once they hit subscribe and everything, then hey, guess what? No issues. So when that audio dope is freshened out the kitchen, it'll come right to your phone, your iPad, your tablet, whatever device you have it set up. 
that you're subscribed to. It'll come right there, and all you got to do is open up your podcast app, open up Spotify, go to your podcast section. Oh, there's a new Believe in UConn Women's Basketball episode. Hit play, sit back, relax, and enjoy me, Wax Poetics, for the next 15, 20, 30 minutes, or however long, about the most dominant program in the history of women's college hoops, and I might just argue the most dominant program in the history of college basketball. And if you don't believe me, go check the numbers, go check the banners. We got 12 of them hanging up, and there's more to come. Now, if you do all that, I just need one little more, I just need one more little favor from you all. That, that sound right there, that was just somebody hitting the clicker saying, oh, you misspoke again. But hey, like I said, it happens. I'm excited. This is passion and energy about the greatest women's basketball program ever. But all that, we'll get back to them in a second. But before we do, just go to Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. And just click on that Shows tab, and you'll see we got close to 200 shows. So there's no way we don't have something that you like. You're a fan of The Bachelor? We got you. Vanderpump Rules? We got you. College football, high school sports, sports law, sports literature, gambling, tennis, golf, Video games, Overwatch, we got it all for you, man. It's Believe.com. Hit the Shows tab. Just hit the, and go to the little search bar. Type in what you're looking for. If you want it, we got it. Basic business economics. You demand, we supply. So, hey, if you think there's a show that we should have that we don't, please let us know. Go ahead, tweet them, at Believe Podcast. Or tweet me, at underscore J Della. I'll let everybody know. But hey, hey man, you don't have a show about X, Y, and Z. Oh, really? You think, yeah, man, I'm telling you. There's a lot of people that are really into it. It's a really great. Hey, I appreciate the idea. Let me let everybody know. And then, who knows, next couple of weeks, boom, there's your podcast. So like I said, we are a very listener-friendly network, along with a listener-friendly podcast. So without you, the listener, there is no us. So we greatly appreciate you letting us come into your homes, your cars, your office, and just listening to us. So if we're the thing that's playing in your headphones so you can drown out Steve from accounting and his tapping of the pencil every 30 seconds and then screaming out some random thing, or if you got that one coworker that just loves to walk by your office or your cubicle and go, hey, man, did you see the game last night? Or, hey, man, did you watch Jeopardy? Hey, man, did you watch Will of Fortune? Or, better yet, I'm sure everybody has that one coworker that they see They'll speak to them, you know, whatever. Hey, good morning. Yeah, yeah. Go on about your day. And then that same person will walk by you three minutes later and go, hey, Jacob. Or, hey, man. Hey, Mike. Hey, Megan. And you're just like, I just spoke to you five minutes ago. Why are you speaking to me? So, you know what? You know how you avoid that? You subscribe to the podcast. You subscribe to any Believe show. Put your headphones in. And hopefully that person will get the clue and they'll leave you alone. Now, like I said, this episode is about the Houston game. And like I said, there's a spoiler. We handle business because what you do when you have a 98-game home-winning streak and it gets snapped by a rival in a top-six matchup and you lose relatively decisively if you're looking at the final score, the game was a lot closer than that, that's being, you don't believe me, go listen to the Baylor episode. You'll hear me break things down of how that score is a little bit misleading. That's neither here nor there for this episode. This episode is focused strictly on the Lady Cougars of Houston, and unfortunately for them, they were next up on the schedule. So when you lose a heartbreaker at home, and you're likely to not be number one in the polls when the, when they come out this week, 
you only have one thing to do, and that's just go punch the next team you play in the mouth. And like I said, it was Houston. Houston showed up. Connecticut responded with a stiff punch right to Houston's jaw, and it took Houston the whole entire first quarter to get up off of the floor because Connecticut finished that quarter up 25-2. That's right, Connecticut 2-5, Houston 2. The game started on a 16-0 run. Think about that now. 16 points for Connecticut, not nan point for Houston. Zero. A goose egg. You start a game in the whole 16 points, it is going to be a long day at the office. I don't care how well you shoot. I don't care how how well you force Connecticut to turn the ball over or whatever else. It takes a lot to get out of a 16-point deficit. It really takes a lot to get out of a 16-point deficit when you're not scoring and you start the game that way. So, first quarter. 25 to 2. Connecticut's up 23 at the end of one. They follow that up with another 19 in the second quarter. Third quarter, they drop 28 on them. Fourth quarter, they put another 19 on them. That gives you a final score of 91 to 51. And it was a decisive beatdown. It was Connecticut reminding people that, hey, we slipped up and had a bad day at the office on Thursday. But guess what? If you think that we're starting to show faults and cracks in us, we're really not. Here's a friendly reminder. And, eh, yeah, yeah, Houston, I'm sorry. You were next up on the schedule. It's nothing personal. And what's interesting about this win by Connecticut is that the Lady Huskies as a program have not lost consecutive games in over 27 years. I'm 30 years old. So the last time that the Lady Huskies lost back-to-back games, I was three. That's right, three. I was just grasping the concept of time, like how to tell the difference between the morning, the afternoon, and night, and learning to ride a tricycle. Three. Three years old. Hell, nobody was even born on the team right now. Megan Walker wasn't born for another five years after that. It's been 975 games without consecutive losses. Almost a 1,000 games played since Connecticut has lost back-to-back games. I understand that the nature of sports, there's always a stat for something. There's always a record for something. There's like a running joke that says, there's a stat for that. If you really want to, there's a record for it. Somewhere, somehow, you can find a stat. You can find a way to spin it, to make it into some kind of record, something unique, whatever. It's like law students and lawyers saying that if you wanted to, you can indict a ham sandwich. There's always a stat for it. There's always going to be a record for it. But 975 games over 27 years of not losing back-to-back, that may go down as one of the most impressive records in all the sports because the thing that a lot of people tend to not understand or just not maybe see or comprehend, you can lose back-to-back games real easy, like real easy. You get a bad bounce, you get a bad foul call, you get thrown out of your momentum, or if you lose a heartbreaker, there's usually a hangover. 
And with a hangover game, then hey, you're just not yourself. You're still stuck on the game that you lost before. So it's very easy for somebody to come in and get you, catch you slipping. Like this game for Houston, Houston could have very easily rolled in, played the Lady Huskies, and shocked the world and knocked off UConn because UConn was so stuck on what happened Thursday against Baylor. However, credit to Coach Oriem and company, he had the girls ready to play, and they came out. And like I said, they punched Houston right in the mouth. And it took Houston the whole entire first quarter to get up. Houston's head coach even made a statement after the game to which he said, the only thing that they need to do differently in regards to the game was just fight. He was like, we need to fight more. You can't come out and expect them to punch you. You got to be the first person to punch. The first quarter, 25-2, to two, that's not us. Second quarter, 19-19, to 19, they still got their starters in. That's who we are. That was Houston's coach, Ronald Huey. That was his quote after the game. And if you look at it, he has a point. You have to come out ready to fight because you know a team like Connecticut, led by such a fiery, strong individual that is Geno, they're not going to come out and lay an egg after losing a game. And if they do come out and lay an egg, you best believe Geno is coming out of his sports coat within the first three minutes of the first quarter, and he's probably subbing all five out with the concept and the thought in mind of, if y'all aren't getting the job done, then get off my court and go sit down on the bench. I'm going to put the next five in. This is UConn. We have a standard. If you can't live up to it, sit down and let the next man come up and see if they can do it. And, hey, Connecticut didn't have that issue today. They came out. They punched Houston in the mouth. To Houston's credit, they came back in the second quarter. It was 19. They put up 19. Connecticut put up 19. They went into the half down 44 to 21. You're looking at like, oh, they're down 23. That's not bad. If if you're looking at this from Houston and you're trying to find a positive, that's not bad. You were down 25 to 2 at the end of 1. So you essentially erased the first quarter. You didn't dig yourself in a hole. You just stayed level. You kept the lead at 23 are the deficit in their case at 23. So for Houston, hey, good job. You weathered the storm because while 91 to 51 looks horrible and ugly, it honestly could have been a whole lot worse for Houston. So much prop to the Lady Cougars for being able to put up a bit of a fight and not completely get demolished, even though they got demolished basically completely. And speaking of the demolishing that was executed by Connecticut. Megan Walker led the way with 22 points. She also put in seven rebounds and four assists as well. Kristen Williams had 21. Olivia Nelson had 13. And Crystal Dangerfield had 17 as well. So nice, solid, spread out scoring by the Lady Huskies. In regards to turnovers, the team had 16 turnovers. Like I said, this is a team that averages roughly 13 per game. So you're a little higher than average, but also you're kind of right in that same realm and against a team like Houston, no disrespect to Houston, there's a bit of a drop in the level of athlete and caliber of Connecticut to Houston. So you can afford to have these turnovers. Some of them were live ball and bad turnovers, a few dead ball ones, which don't hurt you as bad. So it's like, all right, 16, let's try to just get that back to the average of 12 to 13. Hey, don't try to force this pass right here. Just go up for the bucket instead. And things will look better. But all in all, you can't complain too much. 
Also, as far as scoring goes, you got a solid 18 points from the bench. Can't complain. The team had a total of 43 rebounds. They had 22 assists, so the ball was moving. There was a lot of sharing of the ball. 14 steals, which is really a good number for Connecticut. That shows that they were aggressive. They were looking for opportunities to get the ball to score, to get out in transition, which they did. Houston, you put up 51 points. You can basically sit there and look and go, well, did they score? Was it all one person? It was a pretty balanced attack. You had 13, 5, 5, 5, and 10 from your starters. Your bench chipped in another 13. All in all, you shot 36 0.7% from the field, 25% from three-point, 25% from the line. You only went to the line eight times, so, hey, it's not going to cut it. As far as the Lady Huskies go, they shot 54% from the field, a beautiful 38% from three-point land, and then they were 70% from the line. The only Lady Husky, there were only two Lady Huskies to not start. Miss Adebayo and Miss Irwin were the only ones, I'm sorry, the only ones, there were only two Lady Huskies to not score. Not start, not score. Because you're going to only start five, the team houses nine players. It would look a little unfair if you put nine players or seven on the court. But I'm pretty sure at some point Houston felt like there were seven or eight people on the court the way that Connecticut was moving the ball on offense and the way that they were attacking on defense. Hey. Nice spread out scoring by the Lady Huskies. Like I said, there are only two to not score. Miss Irwin and Miss Adebayo did not contribute anything today. However, everybody logged solid minutes, at least 11 spread out. This, this was a good game by Connecticut, all in all. Everything was solid. This is how you're supposed to respond to a crushing loss, a heartbreaking loss, a game that you shouldn't have lost. Whatever adjective, whatever description, However you want to label the bailout game and what happened, it is what it is. We're on to the next one, which was Houston. They came back. They handled business. This is the difference between the middle-of-the-pack programs, the top-tier programs, and then the upper-echelon elite, the 1%, the true blue-blood programs. And you look at women's college basketball, just say over the last 15 to 20 years, you have Connecticut, you have Stanford, and you can say you have Notre Dame, even though they're having a down year right now. And then after that, you kind of see like a little bit of a turnover. You have the Mississippi States that have risen up. South Carolina is in that same group. You have Oregon that is becoming a threat and a force to be reckoned with. Also, you have Baylor in that same category as UConn and Stanford and Notre Dame. So you have those four, and they have these middle, the middle, the next pack of the Florida States, the Oregon's, like I said, the South Carolinas, teams that have either won a national title or have been Final Four, Elite Eight, that have been in that conversation. And they're in that really very, very good, You, I guess you can call them elite if you want to, but they're not the cream de la creme. They're not the top of the top, the best of the best. And that, it's a very small margin of error, if you're a football fan, it's like thinking, if you're looking at quarterbacks, like it's like, what's the difference between Tom Brady and, say, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and, say, maybe a Phillip Rivers or a Matt Ryan or somebody that's in that, that second tier? It's very small. You're, you're cutting hairs. Basketball fans, LeBron, AD, Giannis, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Kawhi Leonard, you have that class, and then you like drop down into the Paul Georges, the Luka Doncic, the Jimmy Butlers, the Ben Simmons, the Joel Embiid. It's very thin line, and you're cutting hair, some people can argue, but 
That is what makes the elite the best of the best. The absolute best is that small margin, that 0.5%. That's just like, oh, anybody else would have been like, oh, I'm not feeling it today. Them, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I need my, I need all mine plus tax, interest, all that. And that is Connecticut. They are the bully on the block. They got punched in the mouth against Baylor. The bully eventually gets beat up. And some bullies, they just stop being bullies. Connecticut, they don't stop being a bully because they got beat up once. They sit there and go, okay, I'm going to be even more of a bigger bully now because you beat me and you left town, but I'm going to see you later because this is setting up the way things are looking and projected in bracketology right now that you might get Connecticut and Baylor in the Final Four. Not the national title, but that national semifinal game. They'll be on the same side. One will be in the top, one will be in the bottom bracket. And they both come out of their respective brackets. You get Connecticut-Baylor. That's one heck of a game. That's really a heck of a game when you have an angry Connecticut now that just blitzed through every tournament game and is now like, hey, Baylor, remember that time you beat us at home in January? Yeah, I need mine back and then some. So bullies don't go away in this case. But that's looking down the road way down the road and we're not going to get ahead of ourselves because like i said when you get ahead of yourself you have you allow mistakes to be made and to happen and i said this team while they were looking great i mentioned specifically the depaul game the trap that almost worked after you came off of a game beating notre dame that you might have a little bit of a letdown and while they didn't in the sense that they were able to beat DePaul. If you watch that game, DePaul hung around. DePaul got down by 20 and stormed back, cut it within five, and Connecticut was like, uh, 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 what? let's wake up and you know apply pressure, and they did. And I said, this team has got to learn how to put somebody away and make sure they are down and stay down, and they have to learn how to cut down on turnovers. If you look... Like Baylor footage, they weren't able to put Baylor away. It was a heavyweight fight. You're going back and forth. But hey, that also teaches you something because I said this is a team that could probably take a loss and probably needs to take a loss before they get to the tournament because I don't care about a streak. If I win every last game during the regular season, if I blow through the American Athletic Conference tournament, and if I get all the way into the tourney, the big dance, and I'm sitting here in the Final Four and I lose another national semifinal, semifinal game, I don't care that I just beat everybody else and I was 34-0 to that point. I have one loss, and that one loss ended my season. I would rather lose in January to a team like Baylor, so that way it gives me something to look forward to. And if this result against Houston is an indication of what to expect from Connecticut moving forward, I honestly feel sorry for every team that has to see the Lady Huskies this season from this point on. Because when you lose like that at home, you're angry. And you're just going to want revenge. And until you get it, everybody in your way might as well have Baylor across their jersey. And you're just going to beat them like you want to beat Baylor. And next up on the Connecticut might run through us and blow us out of our own gym tour are the Lady Tigers of Memphis. They take on Connecticut on the 14th at 8 p.m. Connecticut should win that game relatively easy. Memphis is currently 9-7. They are 0-3 in conference play right now. In fact, let's just take a closer look here at Memphis on the season. They have wins over UAB, 
And that is honestly probably the most, I'm sorry, they also have a win over Kansas State. Those are two most noteworthy names if you're just looking for college name recognition on their schedule. UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, a lot of people may know that name from a few years ago where they had to shut down their football programs due to a lack of funds. ESPN's College Game Day did a great piece on it. If you got the time, go look that up on YouTube. And then, of course, you have Kansas State, Little Manhattan, the Little Apple in Kansas, and all that that goes with their football program and traditions. Other than that, looking at Memphis's schedule, they've lost to LSU, who is starting to re- become who LSU once was in women's college hoops. They lost to Houston, fittingly enough, that Connecticut just demolished. They lost to that Houston team by nine at Houston. So that doesn't bode well. If you lose to the team that just got blown out by Connecticut, what are the odds that you have much of a fighter's chance? Again, it's basketball. I keep saying this. All you need is one off night where your shots don't fall. You don't get the calls that you feel like you should get. You can't make the plays that you normally make. And next thing you know, you're looking up at the scoreboard and you're like, Hold on. We lost to who? We let what happen? How? Well, the shots didn't fall. You averaged 13 turnovers as a team, but tonight you managed to turn the ball over 24 times. And of those 24 turnovers, at least half of them were live ball turnovers in which they were able to score a solid 10 to 15, 16 points off of your turnovers. So if you let them score 16 off of your turnovers, We'll assume that you were going to score maybe 10 points off of those balls had you kept them. That's a difference of six that you basically just gave the other team and you lost by seven. I'm sorry, you lost by five. So by logic, if everything plays out, you would have won by one. Things like that add up quickly and create a snowball and a perfect storm and allow upsets to happen. However, like I keep preaching, Coach Oriyama, He stays on his team. They stay focused enough where they tend not to let these snowball moments happen. And if they do, watch closely at how Gino responds during the game. He's never been one to not call a timeout or to not light into a player on the sideline. If you're looking at it from the outside, looking in, you can go, hmm, that's a little unnecessary. It's like you're up by 6 or 10 or 12 or in some cases even 20. Why are you yelling like laying into a player right now. Well, when you won 12 national championships, you have such a high standard. You do things a little bit different. Not saying it's necessarily right to some or to all or just what I would do. But if you have a formula that works and you have players that respond to this type of interaction, because that's also key, you have to look at this and realize that a lot of these young ladies, they can they can respond to that. Gino doesn't always get into everybody's face. He doesn't always lean to everybody. There's certain players that he'll sit there, yell at, lay into. And there's also certain players who just like go sit to the bench, go talk to one of the assistants, or I'm just going to come over and talk to you in a little more calm manner. That's the mark of a great coach, knowing how certain players respond to certain interactions. So even if you're up by 20, hey, you know what? Dangerfield, come here. You're messing up. Why are you turning the ball up? Why are you trying to make that pass? You might lay into Dangerfield, but also on the flip side, Williams has a bad moment. You'll go in and be like, hey, look, go sit down. I'll get to you in a second. You come over to talk to her in more of a common manner. It's all about players and how they respond. 
And the reason that you do this is because you're up 20, but you see things getting out of control, so you want to avoid the snowball. Snowball happens, and if you can't avoid it, that's how a team like Memphis getting upset you. But again, Memphis, they're 9-7. and seven. You lost, They lost to Houston, lost to LSU. They've looked relatively unimpressive. So, and last year, Connecticut routed Memphis 102 to 45. So, if I'm Memphis and I'm looking at this game and I just saw how they did Houston, and you know they're probably still a little upset, might not be your night. But hey, winter things have happened. Never count your chickens before the eggs hatch, it's the saying. So, that is basically the Houston game. It was business as usual. It was a bounce back. It was a, hey, I'm going to punch you dead in the mouth. What you going to do about it? Houston's case, they fought back in the second quarter. Connecticut hit them in the mouth again. They hung on a little bit longer, got hit in the mouth again, and eventually they folded. Lady Huskies, 91. Lady Cougars, 51. On to the next. Memphis, we'll see you on the 14th at your place. Best of luck to you. Now, before we get out of here, just want to do do a little something different. I want to take a look at recruiting for the Lady Huskies because a lot of people have this conception that, who, excuse me, a little bit had to just get a little drink of water in right now. You know, I'm getting a little uh, a little dry mouth just talking about Lady Huskies. It's difficult, but hey, like I said, going to look at recruiting real quick and see how the Lady Huskies are doing so far. They have signed five players thus far. And a lot of people have this conception that Connecticut often finishes with the best recruiting class. Not always the case. For the most part, the Lady Huskies tend to get a top five, top ten recruiting class. Because with women's college basketball, unlike the men's side, there's almost never a one-and-done type player. All of these women are usually staying three years, if not all four or five years. Because you go to the WNBA... Just be honest here, the money isn't the same as the money for men. And for those of you that just rolled your eyes extremely hard or just took a sigh, allow me to just state the obvious. No, I am not talking about dollars to dollars. I'm talking percentage to percentage. The men make a certain percent based off of their CBA. The women make a lesser percent based off of their CBA. So while you're sitting here watching mid middle-of-the-road players in the NBA make... 70 million on a four-year deal and you have the upper echelon making 10 years 235 million getting the supermax contracts you look at the women's side you you get 250 as in 250 thousand dollars that's like max max and even then i think that is actually over the current max which is a large issue matter of fact yep the max salary for the WNBA for a veteran player in the 2018 season was $113,500. I understand that the WNBA season is a shorter season. I get that. However, again, this is the percentage to percentage argument, not dollars to dollars, because if you do dollars to dollars, there's no way the WNBA could financially sustain itself. Now, We'll get it. Matter of fact, you know, I'm going to stop myself right now because we're going off onto a little bit of a sidebar. 
and we're actually going to tackle this episode. I want to be able to get a couple former players on and maybe a couple journalists as well. Let's just sit down and we'll talk about why a lot of players choose to stay three to four years when you can go overseas or you can go pro, you play WNBA, you're making money, and then you can go overseas and play some more. So I just kind of, we'll talk about that in a later episode. I'm going to try to get a few former Huskies on who have played pro ball both here in the WNBA stateside and have played overseas and get a couple journalists. So that way I can break things down for you so that everybody can understand that, hey, the grass isn't always greener, and there's a reason why these women stay the four years. It's not just that they want to get their education. No, it's kind of like I have to stay four years because why am I going to go do all this? Again, neither here nor there. Back to recruiting. This is the reason why Connecticut doesn't get top 10, top 5, because you have so much talent, you have so much talent being developed, that a lot of these players coming in as freshmen, yeah, you have some that start or contribute right away, but you also have some that get tucked away. So looking at this right now, we have five recruits signed. You have one, two, three five stars, and two three stars right now. We have the number 30th ranked point guard in her class, the number 23 ranked forward in the class. We have the number three ranked and we have the number one ranked point guard in class as well. So it's a solid class. We have five signs so far. And it's looking good. Of those five that are signed for the class of 2020, three of them are ESPN 100 commits. So, hey, another solid class coming in for Geno. We'll see what they turn into in about a year or two to see if they can continue the legacy of the Diana Tarazis, the Sue Birds, the Maya Moores, the Swin Cashes, the Re- Rebecca Lobos, the Katie Lou's. So, hey, that's that's the goal. We just replenish, rebuild, retool on to the next one. It's a machine. It's Connecticut basketball. It's hard to be beat, honestly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's basically the motto for Connecticut. We've been able to do that for all this time. It's rebuild, replenish, repeat, and eyes to the prize. The prize is and always will be cutting down the nets at the end of March, at the beginning of April. Once the tourney is all said and done, we have that nice image of Coach Oriema on the ladder. Snip, snip, snip. Net in hand. Fist raised. Championship. Confetti. Lady Huskies. Back on top. Ending a three-year drought. Because again, three years, no national title. Two heartbreaking losses to Notre Dame. I want my title. Much like everybody else that's a fan of Lady Huskies, we want our championship. That's it. Just give us our championship. Let us go back to being the evil empire. Not that we ever stopped, but now we have a ring, so now you can really hate us and say we're the evil empire. That's all we want. It's just a national championship. So again, I am Jacob Lawrence. I am your host. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at underscore Jadella. Also give Believe a follow as well at Believe Podcast. And remember, like, share, subscribe, Apple Podcasts. I Wow. Clicker. That's like mistake number 16. Misspoke. Hey, keep it moving. Comment guy. Appreciate you. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, How Podcasts Will Travel. If you want us on another network, just let me know. I'll reach out to everybody. We'll see if we can get get the podcast there for you as well. Until next time, I'm your host, Jacob Lawrence. Follow me at, on Twitter at underscore J Della. This is the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. We're UConn. You're not. Sorry, not sorry. Bleed blue.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.